0: I had the uh, enjoyment this week of having a, a friend, a fellow pastor come by, A uh, Jamin who's preached in our community before, who's pastor just down the road over at 1208 Greenwood. Um, he came by, he had a master's project. He's supposed to interview and give a, do a questionnaire with a pastor. And so we sit down he's like, I, I can't give you any heads up about what these questions are. I'm just supposed to go into them. And he asks me one of the very first questions, what is the purpose of humanity? Okay, <laughs> we okay, we're going big. And, and there's a way in which this questionnaire kind of felt like, you know, I've got two little ones. You know, then kids ask big questions. They don't realize how big sometimes these questions are. But they're like, well, what is the answer? Or like, what is our purpose? How on earth do you talk about that thing? And so I could hear a bunch of like churchy answers in my head, ones that never felt big enough for me. I heard things like, well, humans exist to give God glory. We should, but that's always felt like such a a low-hanging fruit to answer that question. Like, I have kids. I love my kids. I hope that they bring me some honor, but I don't want their existence to just be that they honor me as their parents so amazingly. I want more for them than that. And And I heard in my head things like, well, you know, humanity, we exist just to believe the right things. And so we want to like champion, like guarding our belief statements and, you know, do I have all of the right things figured out? Do I have the right beliefs? And, and that never felt meaningful fully to me because, well, once you believe the, the right things, well, now what? All of your life is just maintaining that rigid set of beliefs. I feel like we're meant for more than that. And I was thinking like, you know, you could talk like scientifically, like we, we just meant to reproduce. We just supposed to be fruitful and multiply and that doesn't feel like enough either like that's that's surviving that's not thriving like what are we for and i remember as a kid like there were some bad versions of what are we for like you should just follow god because you should escape judgment like god is ready to to judge you you should run from it and, and that that's our whole existence is just avoiding god as like the consequence bringer or maybe you've had a preacher or a church or or somebody who's who's made you think like all that matters is belonging, and you're you got to figure it out. Are, am I an insider or am I an outsider? Do I belong here or not? And so you think about moments where pastors want to say, "Hey, if you ever committed your life, hey, you raise your hand if you're not like," and then everyone's staring at you, of like it's not about guilt tripping you into being who you are called to be. Like surely there's something more to us than guilt trips. And so I was thinking in my life, like. I, I, I was baptized, I grew up, I, like, I chose God, but I had to choose God fully again when life got hard. And I was like, okay, God, I don't wanna just get by, I don't wanna just check boxes, like, I wanna live, I wanna thrive, I wanna want to live. There should be something more. And when I think about this, I can't help thinking, the question of what are we here for seems wrapped up for us in, well, what was Jesus here for? What was Jesus' purpose? How did he understand his mission? And we're going to read from Matthew chapter 4, and at that point in the story, Jesus has not voiced for himself why he's here. There's been a lot of answers already given. Matthew presents Jesus as a new Moses. You know, the Pharaoh's getting rid of the babies, and Moses surviving miraculously. Well, King Herod wants to kill the babies, and Jesus survives. Well. Jesus is going to liberate us. He's going to bring the new covenant. He's going to lead us into the new promised land. You know, we've got angels saying, hey, his name's Emmanuel. He's God with us. God's presence is with you. We've got magi saying, hey, he's the king of the Jews. He's, he's supposed to be Lord. We have John the Baptist saying he's, he brings the Holy Spirit with fire. He's going to sift people. And Jesus gets baptized the verse before the one that we're going to read today. And and in it, a voice from heaven says, this is my son, the beloved in whom I'm well pleased. That's a lot to live up to. And who knows at this part of the story, what Jesus fully knows about the fullness of his calling. Right. When we have Jesus at Gethsemane asking, hey, is there another cup or not? Like how much does Jesus know at this point early in his ministry, what he's here for? But we've given a lot of things that we lay down at Jesus' feet rightfully so jesus can you forgive the unforgivable can you mend the shattered jesus we need you to to bring justice for the oppressed we need you to bring healing for our terminal illness we we lay all these things at his feet and we don't know what he fully understands about his mission yet But there's something really interesting about our story today. We're going to read Matthew 4, 1 through 11, and it's a story that's known as Jesus' temptation. But before we read these temptations, I want to point out that there's no temptation without aspiration. There's no temptation without a mission and without a, a destination of like, you have to want something to be tempted away from it. And so Jesus gets baptized and he's going to go out into the wilderness and he's going to get these temptation scenes. But those things only matter if we realize that what's at stake is the fullness of what Jesus is here for and the fullness of what Jesus can do for us. And so I want to read for you the opening two verses of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. I love those kinds of, that language. It's so vivid for us. And I was thinking when I read this story that there's something that's really startling about the idea of God sending Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. Because I don't know about you, but like when I feel like I'm being tempted in life, it never feels like a God thing it always feels like a woe is me how awful is this uh maybe i've messed this up maybe someone else is messing things up but like i never think just maybe temptation might be a god thing that sounds weird doesn't it but god calls jesus out into the wilderness to tempt him through the devil now that word tempt is interesting because that word is just a word for testing and the way we think about testing really depends on who's giving the test. And I think when, when God in the Bible is testing people and in our lives, what God is hoping to do is to reveal to you who you could be, who you can be, who God is creating you to be. It's like, I never knew I could be that. And the test is a challenge to realize that you're more than you expect. But the test from the accuser's point of view from the devil's point of view from from those who think that you are less than they are trying to disprove who you can be they're trying to tell you that you're not enough that you're not good enough you're not strong enough you're not smart enough you're you'll never amount to this but the same test can reveal both things it have i have i let myself down have i let my friends down have i let god down or Maybe, just maybe, I might grow through this and be strong enough to realize who God has made me into being. And so, I want you to take some refuge that you might feel some temptation in life that it could be your fault of, maybe I was trying to fast, I was trying to to eat more nutritiously, and I walked down the candy aisle at the grocery store. Don't put that one on God. (laughs) But maybe, You did nothing wrong, and you might get tempted. Don't just assume if you're in the midst of temptation that I must be worthless and wrong because you're starting this off in a bad place. Maybe just maybe God has put you in a wilderness to tempt you because God wants to reveal something amazing in you. I've got a second thing that might seem, uh, this might sound like bad news at first. Testing takes time. I don't know about you, but I don't want testing to take a long time. I want an instantaneous response. I want, you know, we do like, you can get COVID tests now and it might take 10 minutes. Even that feels like a long time. You keep checking it, right? Okay. Am I okay? Am I okay? Am I okay? But we live in like a Netflix culture. We, we don't just want things instantaneously. We want everything instantaneously. We want to binge it all right now, this moment. How dare you make me wait another week for this episode to come out? And we don't want temptation to drag on, right? Like I said, no, let's be done with it. I, I'm the champion, I've, I've survived this. But Jesus goes out for at least 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but like day two, I don't wanna be in the wilderness anymore. But like to keep going and to not wail and moan about, like, ah, isn't this just so awful? but to say, okay, I have a calling out here. God has, has moved me out into the wilderness. It can be 40 days and 40 nights. I'm gonna keep faithful no matter how long this takes. You know, when you do interviews, it's easy to be a good interviewee. It's much harder to be a good employee, right? Like it's easy to kind of say what needs to be said for 30 minutes, but what about when you have a hard week in life? How are you gonna respond? I think we would like to just have a good interview, like, hey, did I do what I needed enough? And then let's just ignore this all. Let's, let's move past it. Isn't that enough? But testing takes time and, and testing can mean positive things. It can mean you've revealed who you are and that takes time. And so I want you to not not just you know, bemoan the fact that you're going through this long period of testing, but maybe embrace that you're in a marathon and marathons are worth building up resistance for. There's another truth in this text that, again, might seem like bad news at first, but sometimes spiritual maturity and growth emerges through discomfort. I also would like things to just be comfortable. We all do. We all would rather things to just fall into place neatly, nicely, everything just works out, but that's not how life is. And that's not how you grow fully. And so in this story, Jesus has to go out into the wilderness. So if, I know you would probably like to go out to like um, the streams of the river, to, to the waterfalls, to to enjoy the beauty of things and not to the desert place. Not to the place where the sun is harsher, where the days are longer, where, well, although maybe you're thinking of Florida right now and you want to get to some warmer weather, but... But think of the desert in which things struggle to exist, where life struggles. We don't want to go that direction. And I think for many of us, we've been taught or, or we've just assumed that our faith is all in our heads, just like a spiritual thought process. But there's something about discomfort that brings our whole bodies into our faith process that there's something about going out into the desert or or trying to run a marathon or like putting your body through the test that you learn something about your thought process, you learn something about your spirit. And so what is it that the wilderness might reveal in us through sweat, through being alone, through being tired, through being angry, through being hungry, whatever you might be feeling. And in this text, it says God sends Jesus out of the wilderness and, and maybe Jesus isn't just kind of like his feet are moving and he doesn't know how. Maybe he's in this process thinking, I need to get out from this. I need to go find myself in the wilderness. But it does say specifically that Jesus chose to fast. And fasting is an intentional thing because I think our bodies do not normally autopilot to I'm not eating anything. Our bodies usually go the opposite way, right? Where we don't realize how much we've just fed ourselves. But fasting has been an ancient practice of, of trying to think about how, if I can control what goes into my body, how do if I, if I make myself go through some discomfort, might I focus on what matters in my life? Maybe there's something I need to be praying for, maybe I'm trying to learn something, but, but God, I need some discomfort so I can focus on what you might be doing. And there's a famous kind of slogan, commercial run, you know, think think about Snickers, you're not you when you're hungry. I think we want that to be true. But that's also us when we're hungry. We just don't want to admit that that's another aspect of our lives, that, that I just want the good face that has everything figured out, that feels good and can respond well. But there's something in us that when we're hungry, the mask comes off and a little bit of what's down beneath us comes out. And I know that's scary. I know that the parents in the room who felt like their, their kids just kept pushing them and pushing them. And then something else emerged in you that you didn't know was in you. Maybe you're in a work environment and a coworker just kept pushing and pushing and then something emerged in you that you didn't realize was there. God wants to heal that part of you too. And if we're not willing to go into the wilderness, we're not willing to to choose to fast, to go into these hard places that maybe we don't get our soil down deep enough transformed, that we need to go deeper with God. And so, you know, we're in a season of Lent where people talk about fasting quite a bit, of like giving up certain food items. And the early church used to fast twice a week. And and in the Didache, it's a first or second century text, uh, this teaching to the Christians was, you should fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. One thing, they were a little arrogant about it. They said, not like those other people who do Mondays and Thursdays. We've all been a little petty. Maybe they were a little hungry. But they did Wednesdays and Fridays for an interesting reason. They said, well, Judas betrayed Jesus on Wednesday night, and Jesus was up on a cross on Friday. Let's use that rhythm to deny ourselves a little bit, to go into some spiritual depths. And I think, now, know your own health. Not everybody can easily embrace fasting. But it it has been a classic practice of maybe creating a regular rhythm of giving up a little bit of food to think about what God might do in you. Now, you might give something else up. You might let go of other things in life. It doesn't have to be food, but, but there's something about discomfort that brings out who we are that allows us to see the true test and see what God has fully done in us. And so maybe, just maybe, we need a little discomfort in our life. Now, Jesus might have gotten his wish in this story because people often fasted to get visions from God. Think, if I do some deprivation, if I don't sleep enough, if I don't eat enough, I'll get myself in a state where I might see something. I might imagine something. I might hear something from God. And there's, I doubt that what you were hoping for in that, though, was for Satan to be who shows up, to talk to you, to, to guide you around, to ask you questions. And so here... What comes next in our story the tempter came and said to jesus if you are the son of god command these stones to become loaves of bread but he answered it is written one does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of god then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple saying to him if you are the son of god throw yourself down for it is written." He will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone and jesus said to him again it is written do not put the lord your god to the test and again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor and said to him all these i will give to you if you will fall down and worship me but jesus said to him away with you satan for it is written worship the lord your god and serve only him I'm going to stop there. These temptations, these three tests, they've been talked about for 2,000 years. But something I think for us to hear in this is, is that if you have a mission, if Jesus had a mission, if he had a calling, that first temptation perhaps invites him to take the easy route and give up. If he's been fasting, he's longing for something and it just, you know what, some bread would be nice. to give up early to say you know what i don't really want this discomfort anymore i don't really need that mission i don't really need that calling maybe i can just fill myself and we often do that in life we settle and say you know what i can get a little instant satisfaction and i can just stop i can just be done with this Uh, i imagine we're near the end of february if you had a new year's resolution how's it going At some point, we've turned stones into bread and said, okay, that's enough of the fasting in the wilderness. But Jesus says, hey, you can't live on bread alone. And the second temptation comes and it says, hey, well, if you are the son of God, prove yourself. What do you really think of yourself? Who are you? If you're that thing, why don't you just prove it to everybody? Why don't you just make it obvious? Why don't you just make it known? and we've all probably known someone who tries to prove who they are they're always trying to show you that they're the smartest they're the strongest they're the best and at some point you're like this is a little bit much like if you really know everything you would know to ask questions you would would admit that you don't know everything but you're projecting a little bit too strongly here why do you have to act like you have to prove everything and so oftentimes we might be tempted when we feel like we face temptation that we have to prove ourselves and sometimes when you go to prove yourself you take a little bit of a step too far and you fall on your face and you prove that you're going to fall on your face but what if you just trusted in who you are and you don't have to demonstrate it every two seconds just rely on that trust of i know who god has made me to be i don't have to show it off i can trust on that right now And Satan takes him to another spot and he takes him up on a high mountain and he shows a cinematic view of the kingdoms of the world says hey i'll give you all of this doesn't it look amazing just fall down and worship me and i think what's interesting here is he's asking him to settle for something less because john is coming like announcing the kingdom of heaven is at hand repent god's kingdom is coming and satan offers Look at all the kingdoms of the world. Wouldn't that be enough? And you get instant gratification. You could just say yes right now. Look at all of this thing, but it's still less than what he's called for. And so many of us, you get an opportunity and you're like, well, it's not exactly what I wanted, but maybe I can just settle into this. Maybe there's something that's tempting you away from your fullness of your calling of what God is moving in you to do, and you settled for a lesser kingdom. There's one more temptation, which I will say as a teaser for next week. Next week, we're going to talk about the habits of reading scripture. There's a lot of temptation about using scripture wrongly in this text. That sometimes you can feel really righteous by having a verse out of context and feel like you've got things figured out. But there's another verse, there's another story that you should wrestle with. But I want us to think about what God is calling us to today. What are we aspiring to? What is God growing in you? And this last Wednesday, you know, we had Ash Wednesday. It's this weird holiday in Christian calendars where we say, hey, you're dust and to dust you shall return. In that, that's a good thing. That's like, it's a good pronouncement that in the midst of mortality there's life and beauty and hope but if we are dust if we are the ground if we are the soil what is it God is growing us up into how is God using us to plant some seeds to grow something more beautiful than just being the dirt the plant of your life what what are you cultivating what what are you doing to grow to mature my hope for us is that we might bloom Sure, we might be from the soil, but we can grow above that soil. We can, we can go towards the heavens and feel God's sunlight. We can feel the wind of the Spirit around us. And so, how are we growing in our faith? Now, I have my, my wife's here, and she loves plants. Uh, and she has a lot of plants. We've got a lot of fun things. And one of the great things about loving anything as a parent is that your kids love those things. And they want to get a part of those things and so my my three-year-old has her own succulent plant and she loves it it's called gus gus and i've got a picture i don't know if you can show the picture of gus gus for us isn't gus gus cute (laughs) succulents are really interesting plants because they survive in dry wilderness deserts they hold on to fluid they survive rough environments. They can survive heat and sunlight. And they provide beauty in the midst of harsh environments. And I love that to watch my, my daughter, just she loves it. She pours water carefully into it. She goes and looks at it. And what if we saw ourselves as not being plants that wither in the sun? but ones that can thrive in those places, that when desert life happens, we might still grow strongly and, and that we have a creator who looks over us with joy and is so glad to see us growing through the soil and through the, the desert around us. What if we practiced our faith like that? We, we weren't worried about the sunlight and the desert, but we, we looked forward to how we might grow in the midst of it. Are we willing to be you know, succulents in the desert of life? And so what i hope for for us is that we might choose to not run away from those moments not not be frustrated and angry about them but say okay this is my test it's going to reveal who god can make me to be i'm going to grow up today and so how are we blossoming you know something that i really appreciate it might look like a small thing but but this Wednesday when we had in the midst of the ice storm and we're like, well, how are we going to have a service or not? Like, can we, can we get, make this happen? I remember a few years ago, right before the pandemic, we also had a snowstorm and we had to cancel our Ash Wednesday. And I remember Brinley and I had to re- pre-record the service by ourselves. And I remember it feels really alone when you're just by yourself. But I was so grateful to have volunteers here who were able to help so we could stream it live. And, and we weren't, singing to no one, that there was people in the room. And and it was just nice that, yeah, it was a small group of folks come together to make this available to people, but but God's growing us, that we had people who didn't know, you know, oh, I can run cameras, I can run sound, you know, like I can do things that I wasn't expecting. I think about in our community, we've been doing the cafe for a little over a year. How many people knew that they could be servers, who could be cooks, who could be dishwashers of of, these roles you might not have known could be true of yourself, and people have stepped up into those things. I think about people who, uh, whatever your job might be, whatever your calling might be, you know, if you're an engineer, that you don't just have to do the minimum, but like, engineer well. If you're a parent, you know, pour yourself into hell, like, how do I How do I not just survive this week, but take advantage of my time? I want to parent well this week for those who are re- retired or are retiring, of like, hey, I've got freedom to choose. What's my calling in this stage of my life? What, what is God moving in me? How do I do this well? How do we grow up into what God is making us into? And so the question I wanna ask you today is, are your God-given aspirations, are they worth the wilderness? Is it gonna survive those desert times? What do you long for? What do you hope God is doing in you? And can you make it through the what, through that wilderness to get to that? If you want to survive the wilderness, to thrive in the wilderness, I invite you that the season of Lent is actually a really beautiful time to be intentional about that process. Lent is just a fancy old English word for spring the time of growing up of blossoming if, of the winter cold desolate region it's, it's going to give way and spring is coming Easter is coming life is coming and what if we took this time if you haven't done anything like practice for Lent of like I want to take something on I want to give something up good news uh, the Lent season doesn't count Sunday so you actually still have 40 days you can just count it a little differently But what would you do like for 40 days? Maybe you can't go do 40. Just commit to, I'm going to do two weeks. I'm going to do 10 days of like, I want to commit to some discomfort, to to being intentional, to focusing on what God might be calling me into. And so you might give up food, but you might give up, I'm going to put my phone away at night. I'm going to take a walk when I could have driven somewhere. I know not when it's icy. Maybe you're going to go, work out more. You're going to go walk more. Whatever you might do in the season, think about, I want to be tested to show that God has moved in me and can move and I can be more than what I expect. Learn that God's storehouses within you can hold more than you expect. You can be like that succulent plant that just soaks up all of the water it can. I'm going to hold on to this. I don't need to be watered every day. I can make it. I can make it through so my prayers for you this morning is that you might have big enough aspirations that you might not just have temptations that would make you potentially veer from those aspirations but that you might have aspirations big enough that you want to make it through those temptations to make it to the other side to overcome them so i hope that god might call us out into the wilderness as unpleasant as that might feel Who's brave enough to go? Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray for those who are worshiping with us today who are fully aware that they are in the midst of wilderness. They've struggled to find joy. They've struggled to find connection. They've felt despair or emptiness or whatever the pains of the wilderness bring. Lord, you are always present. I know that in our story, as soon as Jesus says no those three times, then your angels come and surround Jesus. Lord, we ask that your angels might surround us, that you might encourage us, that you might strengthen us today. Lord, don't let people believe the deception that they are not good enough not worthy enough. Lord, help us to accept that you have created us, you have called us, you move in us. Lord, I ask that you might give us eyes to see where life is blossoming in the wilderness. Help us to celebrate each other when we see those triumphs, that people don't have to do those journeys on their own, but we might celebrate together where you are growing your beauty, your kingdom here and now. Lord, I ask that you might give us a vision for what you are calling us into, that, that you might make our aspirations, our dreams, you might make them grander than we could imagine. And Lord, I ask for endurance, that we might be faithful just as you are faithful. Lord, help our yeses right now, be yeses this afternoon, this evening, tomorrow, we might not give up on you, that we might hold tight to you, we might run this race well. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.